Luke 6, verses 20 through 21. They read in Jesus' name. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study and apply your word, Lord, I ask that you would guide and bless. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to you. Lord, that we might be changed and become more like Christ. Father, we thank you for your word and the encouragement and the power thereof. Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so today's, today's sermon is entitled Changing Attitude because as, as we look at this, it's backwards. You know, when Jesus says, blessed are you, blessed are you who are poor, who are hungry, who weep. How many of you th- think that being poor, that being hungry, and that weeping are pleasant states of existence? Maybe that would be the way to put that. No. It's not, that's not fun. That's, you know, it doesn't, weeping doesn't make me happy. No. It's kind of antithetical. And so when Jesus comes here and he says, blessed, 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 he's actually calling us to change the way that we're thinking about these states of being. How do we think about this? So as, as we think about the first one, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of, of God or of heaven. I get Yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew is heaven. Luke is the kingdom of God. Oh, precursor. Um, This is the Sermon on the Plain. And so this is in the flat spot. This isn't the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually a different sermon. There's a lot of similarities, but there's also differences. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, he adds something. He adds a qualifier. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's usually the one that we think about. But here, when Jesus leaves the qualifier off, he actually broadens it out. He's, and he, so he is saying, blessed are the poor. Adding in the material reality. Blessed are the poor. You know, and as we think about this as Americans, none of us actually can say that we're poor. You know, we like to. But when we think about poor, we think about that in terms of relationship relatively to the people that are around us. I had a, a friend named Karen Merkel. Um, actually, I kind of lost track of her now that I'm not on the Wimple Home Council anymore. But she grew up in western North Dakota in a farming family. And if you've ever seen the land in western North Dakota, they were poor. And she said she never knew they were poor until the government came in and told them that they were poor. And then she realized that they were poor. Before that, they just survived. This is the amount of money that they had. They didn't compare themselves to people in New York City because they were in western North Dakota and everybody around them was poor. You know, they all had the same amount of money. And so when Jesus is saying here, blessed are you, blessed are the poor, he actually is talking about in a material sense. And so he's calling the poor to add faith to their worldview. So 
what do we have that hasn't been given to us by God? And so if God has given me poverty, how should I look at that? Thank you, Lord. If God has give, hasn't given me everything that I want, how should I look at that? Thank you, Lord. Because you add faith to that. You add faith to that material poverty. You say, you know, I don't have the money that I want to buy this. I don't have this amount of money. I'm, you know, someone's struggling. What do you say at that point? The proper response is to mix faith then with that struggle and say, you know, God is good, right? Is God only good when we're rich? Is, so you mean God's good when we're poor too? My poverty doesn't actually change the nature of God. Is, is God faithful when I'm poor or only when I'm rich? Again, my poverty doesn't change the nature of God. So if I have this truth about God and I have this experience, I take that truth of God and I add it to my experience and now I can say, blessed are the poor. Because God's got something for them in that. God has a blessing for them in that. In that poverty, there is a blessing. As long as they're mixing it then with faith towards God. But then there's also spiritual poverty. And this is really even a greater blessing. Blessed are those who are spiritually impoverished. Because when, when I'm materially impoverished, and I look at someone else that's got more than I do, and I say, you know, I'm poor, I can now turn to God. When I'm spiritually impoverished, there's no place to turn but God. When I realize that our culture is spiritually impoverished, I stop looking to our culture for guidance. When I start realizing that materialism is spiritually impoverished, I stop looking to materialism for happiness. When I realize that, you know, the American way of doing things is great to some degree, but unless it leads me to God, it's poor. And so once I realize that there's a spiritual poverty and that apart from God, I'm in that, now I know where to go. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in material. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because both of them are being led to God. And that's where this final truth comes in. Because then our hope is actually in that which we can hope in. Because what happiness, what happiness does material things bring? Like, have you ever watched a child? Now, and I, I point to children ab about this because they're less um, trained than us adults. You know, watch a child get something new. Christmas, birthday, how long is that new thing amazing? <laughs> 20 minutes maybe? We got, to, it depends on if there's another present to be opened up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, what was that? Unless there's a good box. Sometimes the box is greater than the present that came in it, yep. You know, how often, we are like that too. And so when I'm looking at the material things, when I'm looking at the earthly things for satisfaction, when I'm looking at, you know, freedom, believe it or not, when I'm looking at freedom to give me peace, I'm in poverty. Because these earthly things can be taken away at a moment. At a moment. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Because those who realize, you know what, we're poor in this world. 
What do I have? You know, what does John say? John the baptizer, um, John the forerunner. What does he say? He says, I, I can receive nothing if it's not given by God. And so who am I in and of myself? I am poor. I have nothing. I've earned nothing. I can claim nothing on God. Everything that I have, I've been given. This tie, this shirt, these pants, praise God for them. Because they would be very awkward if I didn't have them. But nevertheless, these are gifts from God. All of this is a gift from God because what am I in and of myself? I am poor. And once we realize that, you know, what are our crops? They're a gift from God. The land that we have, it's a gift from God. The house that we live in, it's a gift from God. The money in our pockets, it's a gift from God. So all of those things, once we realize we are poor, apart from God, where's our kingdom? It's in heaven. Where's our provider? He's God. He's in heaven. So once I realize that I'm poor, blessed are the poor. I'm poor. Not in comparison, you know, not materially in comparison to those who are in Burundi. You know what? Without God, we have nothing. We are poor. Spiritually, I am poor. So then where can I look? Who can I trust in? Who can I hope in? God he who rules the kingdom of heaven. He's my hope. That's my peace. And I think, I, I need to think about this. I need to remember this stuff. I'm not saying this for all of you plebs out there. I'm saying this for Joe. Because you know what? There are times when my eyes get drawn off of the glory and the provision of God and get drawn into the things of this world and I ask the question, how am I going to make that happen? Oh, where's my hope then? It ceases to be upon the power and the glory of God and it starts to be on Joe. And just like he who represents himself in the court of law has a fool as a client, so also he who is his own God uh, has a fool for a worshiper. Satisfaction. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied We've got this great new word in American English, which is called hangry. <laughs> I love that word. It, it fits so many situations. And now that I have children, I understand it all the better. <laughs> you know, when I get hungry, I get hangry. Um, blessed are us. Blessed are we. Are us. Blessed are we when we're hungry. You know, we don't like being hungry. We don't like that struggle, but again, what do we do? We take the truth of God and we add it to that negative experience. And now, in my hunger, I can say, God, thank you. Thank you that you, that you have given me this opportunity to, to struggle and to strive. You've given me this time of uncomfortableness. Because that's kind of what hunger is, isn't it? It's just really being uncomfortable. You know, if I'm full, then I'm satisfied. If I'm hungry, then I'm kind of uncomfortable. So I can thank God for that sensation. I can thank God for that opportunity. I can thank God for that experience of physical hunger, not having that which I want, because that physical hunger isn't just about food, but it also goes into material things too. You know, thank God that he has put in us wants and drives. This is, those things are a gift from God. Because they do drive us on. They propel us. And so when I have a hunger or desire for something, I can say, thank you, God, for that desire. Because if I had no desires, if we had 
no desires, how much would we advance in this world? We wouldn't. You know, why does God give us those desires? Well, partly because of the initial command, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Those are all descriptions then of the desires that God has put into us. And so we can thank God for them because those desires are gifts. Those hungers are gifts. That sense of being uncomfortable is a gift because it drives us into things in the material realm. We can praise God for that because we know that God is good and so we put that goodness into our hunger. You know that desire to get that honey-do list down to zero. That doesn't usually happen, but hasn't happened yet. But that's the material. We can thank God for that. And we ought to thank God for that. Instead of saying, oh, I want something new, we should say, thank you, God, for this want. Is this something that you want me to satisfy or that you can satisfy? But then there's also that spiritual hunger. Because how many times have I talked about it? God's got more for us. God's got more for us in the spiritual realm. That hunger, we need to pay attention to that hunger. We need to cultivate that hunger. Because how many of you would like to know God better? I would. I know that I have not reached some pinnacle that, you know what, Joe can't know God any better. Joe can't have a closer walk with God. I know I have not reached that. I know that that is, that is far beyond anything that exists in this world. And so where is our source of satisfaction? In the spiritual realm, I could have more joy. How many of you would like to have more joy? That'd be great, wouldn't it? You know where joy comes from? Holy Spirit. How many of you would like to have more peace? I'd like that. You know where that comes from? Patience. Wait for it. Yep. All of these things. Love. Where do these things come from? They come from the Holy Spirit. And so blessed are those who hunger. Realize that you hunger for these things. Cultivate that hunger for these things. Because as you cultivate that hunger for these things, that these are actually the things that are best. That these are actually the things that are worthy. That drives us to him who satisfies, to him who is the one who gives. For you will be satisfied. If I hunger here, it's God then who I can look to for satisfaction. Because you will be satisfied. Did you know that that's passive? It's not you will find satisfaction or you will satisfy yourself. It's you will be satisfied. So if I am hungry in this world and in that seeking God, What does God promise then? I will satisfy. That satisfaction will come to you. So what then do we cultivate? We cultivate hunger. We don't cultivate satisfaction. That's a gift. I want more. Do I want more things in this world? You know, the problem with things in this world is that when I get them, I'm not happy anymore. So why wouldn't I think seek the things that I can experience in this world that actually don't just go away. You know, in, in, my, in all of my experience, the things that God gives are so much more valuable than the things that I can earn on my own. You will be satisfied. Blessed are you when, when you hunger. Thirdly, blessed are you when you weep now. We have reasons to weep in this world. We do. This is a reality. Is everything around you happy all the time? No. There's times to mourn. 
Solomon says that. There's a time to mourn. Then there is a time to laugh. You know, Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you weep. Because none of us like to be sad. None of us like to experience that. We don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy that feeling of, of darkness and, and depression and the, the well, they call it blue feeling, which I suppose is probably actually a pretty good color for it. Um, you know, not so much in the nice blue sky, but that, that sensation that everything is dark around you. That's not an enjoyable feeling. Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you feel that. So that this experience, that experience of mourning and sadness, we can turn to God with that and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for sadness. Thank you for weeping. Thank you. Even though that's, that takes an act of the will. Because that's not natural. Do you guys... Okay, I, I don't know about you guys. I know about me. When I'm sad, it's hard to say thank you. That, that's not easy. But you know, Jesus here is saying that's a blessed experience. So if that's a blessed experience, what should we be saying? Thank you. Thank you for the sadness. This is a gift. This is a blessing. Because the things, it's a realization that the things in this world are not as they ought to be. Because the things in this world are not as they ought to be. You know, we think about what's going on in our nation right now with all the riots. And I was discussing this with, well, Edgar was actually telling me how many riots have happened. Was it this last year, Edgar? Or just since, you know, since all of these riots started in America? Police precincts have been burned down. Homes and livelihoods have been destroyed. That's sad. That's sad. This is America. This isn't supposed to be happening here. Like, what's going on? It's good to be sad about that. Because you know what? This isn't the way that God made the world to be. This isn't the way that he wants us as human beings to act. This is sad. Also then in the, or in the spiritual sense, because right now as... I don't know if any of you have talked to Dr. Eatwell about the, um, the amount of rise that we're experiencing with mental illness. And that's, that's sad. This, this depression that people are under, the, the rise in suicides that are going on in the world around us. And people are realizing that the things in this world do not satisfy. Because the things in this world ultimately do not satisfy. The material things in this world do not satisfy. The hope for the future in this world do not satisfy. People's eyes are finally being opened to realize that the things of, like, even the greatest that America could be is still, is still not enough. And in that we should say, thank you, God. Because now there's an open door to point them to the kingdom of heaven. Now there's an open door point them to the glory of God. Now there's an open door to point them to the one that can redeem all the experiences in this world. Blessed are you when you weep, for you shall laugh. What is that? That's God taking this thing and turning it on its head. You shall laugh. We shall see the power of God. We see the power of Satan at work in this world. We see him depressing people. We see him bringing darkness and blindness upon this world. And at the same time, we can look at the power of God and say, 
Satan's got nothing on God. You know, why do the nations rage? We're told in Psalm 2. I'm going to read that real quick because then we hear about laughter. That's Psalm 33. Went a little bit far. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. We will see the triumph and the glory of God over these spiritual forces of darkness, over these physical forces of darkness. We will see the triumph and the glory of God and then we too shall laugh. You will laugh because you'll see the overwhelming power of God against the world, which has nothing. We shall laugh. We'll see God redeem that. See God take these times of hardship and difficulty in this world and flip them on their heads and bring joy out of them. This is the power of God. When we finally are done with the things in this world and we see that they are empty and they do not satisfy and we look to God, We'd see him bring total redemption to all of these things. And that's our hope. You shall laugh. Note that. That's future tense too. These things aren't present tense. These things are future tense. And so God is drawing our eyes to the future. He is drawing our eyes to the hope that he has for us. He is drawing our eyes to heaven, to glory, to his second coming, to the time when he will make all of these things right, that he will sit at the Father's right hand until God makes all of the nations his footstool for his feet, a footstool for his feet. This is where God is drawing our eyes. So what is our experience here? We experience hunger. We experience sadness. We experience poverty. We experience these things. And so what do we say in the midst of that? Thank you, God. Because this world's not my home. Thank you, God, that no matter what I experience, it doesn't change you. Thank you, God, that this is a blessing. No matter how I'm feeling at the moment, this is a blessing. Like, that's hard. So what? It's true. This is a blessing because it helps us turn our eyes to Jesus and sets our focus on him. Any questions? This is the glory of God. To take the things that this world says are terrible. And what does he do? He makes them a blessing. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for experiences of hardship in this world. As backwards as that sounds, we thank you. Lord, because this world is not our home, because it's you who satisfies, Lord, because it's you who redeems these things, we thank you. You buy them back. We praise you. Bless us now as we meditate on these truths. Lord, as we rejoice in you, Bless us, guide us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.